Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, Cowboys back in action. Another Thursday night kickoff this week against the Saints this time. There's drama in New Orleans. Taysom Hill. Talk about that. There's always drama in Dallas. And there's definitely stuff to talk about because they're going to be without their head coach for this one. And what are they going to do? Can the Cowboys get back to where they once belong? KT, we'll find out. In this episode of About Them Cowboys, welcome in. I'm Kent. Joined by the best of the best when it comes to Dallas Cowboys podcasting. It is uh, Saad Youssef taking a night off of Stars because they're playing tomorrow night. Kevin KT Turner, who never takes a day or night off. And the uh, Adam Schefter of Cowboys Twitter, Father John Mishota of The Athletic. Lots to talk about, KT. Let's take it away. Never a dull moment, huh, John? No, no, there's always something going on with this team. and We'll come up with something. We'll see if some guys can get sick. You know, it's, it's terrible. You hate to see this. But, man, this has been such a problem with this team, more so than anyone else in the league. Yeah, I'm sure some of it has to do with the location of the team. I mean, we don't have to get real political here, but being in Texas, it probably shouldn't be a huge surprise. But that that's probably for a different podcast. But, uh I don't, I don't get the sense that it just that they're not taking proper pro- protocols at the facility. I mean, I can just tell from the access that we've gotten last year, this year, and whatever. Like, it is, you know, uh, I, I, I just don't see them, you know, I don't see this being this outbreak because they're not taking precautions. But then again, I'm not in the locker room, I'm not in team meetings. Maybe they're not enforcing the stuff there. But it is one player. The rest are all on the coaching staff. So I don't know if it's because of, you know, people getting together with families during Thanksgiving, whatnot. But uh, yeah, Mike McCarthy not going to be coaching against the uh, New Orleans Saints. That's a good thought. The Thanksgiving holiday. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And then, you know, Christmas will be coming up again, uh, which is, you know, a few weeks before the playoffs begin. And you have the Omicron variant that's uh, nearing it, or at least we'll, we'll learn more about that in weeks. But yeah, it's, it's dangerous. Uh, you know, I think, I think it's, some teams are safe. Like the teams that are safe are the teams who have had guys either already get it or, you know, are relatively healthy. You know, the Cowboys are battling injuries, you know, and that's where it's kind of, it's a double whammy. Um, Because now I I am, I am curious what all went into their decision to make Dan Quinn be the head coach in for McCarthy and move him down from the booth and onto the field. You know, what all went into that decision? Because I, I was kind of in the boat, Obviously not being there a lot, but I was kind of in the boat of let's just keep Dan Quinn where he's at and keep things as normal as usual, and then you can have someone else come in and just kind of be your walk-around head coach. Yeah, I still think you want your head coach to be your your leader, and 
I'll just take it from my own. We'll get. I'll answer your question in a second, but just from my own standpoint, being around the team all year, like Dan Quinn would be the guy I'd pick. I wouldn't even think twice. I think he's the guy that everybody would follow. He's been there. He, he's led team. He's led to Atlanta Falcons team to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's most recently been a head coach. Uh, Played a lot. Coached a lot against the Saints by being a Falcons head coach. Right. I, I just. I don't. I don't think that there's much discussion. I, plus, I don't want to do anything with the offensive staff because they're so hard hit with COVID right now. You don't have your offensive line coach. You don't have your assistant offensive line coach. Like, I'm not moving Kellen Moore over to head coach uh, because he has a head coaching future. Like, I'm trying to, I'm focused on this one game. What's going to, what's going to ruffle the least amount of feathers, but then also put your best leader in the leadership position for this game. And I, that's, that to me is Dan Quinn. You can move uh, Joe Witt into into a bigger role up in the coaching box. I mean, he, D- Joe Witt is certainly capable of being a defensive coordinator in this league. There's no question about that. So that to me seems a lot more seamless there. Um, uh, I did. I you know we we had joked about Ben McAdoo. I didn't see that as ever really being a serious option. So um, Kent and I joked about it earlier on on something we were talking on uh, for the Athletic. But uh, I just think it. I, I thought it was kind of a no brainer. I just think he's he's the best leader that they have. Um, I, I think he's going to be an NFL head coach again at some point, uh, for one game. Yeah. Give me Dan Quinn all day. I think, I think it was the right choice for sure. Well, what do you, so what, are we looking at DeMarcus Lawrence be, being active on Thursday? Yeah, he was at practice today. Uh, we weren't allowed to be there, but we got a pool report of, of, of what went on. He was, he was practicing today. So yeah, he's expected to play on Thursday. Randy Gregory still probably a week away. Neville Gallimore still probably a couple weeks. They did open his 21-day practice window, so that means they think he's pretty close, but I still think it's a couple weeks there. I don't think he's going to be playing. I know he won't be playing against New Orleans, and, and I think even Washington might be a stretch there for him, but it might be these next three games, like this one you get Lawrence back, the next one you get Gregory back, the one after that you, you get, get Gallimore Hill back. back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, and then that that fun news. I mean, hey, do I think two game suspension for Tristan Hill for 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 taking that swing at a player might be a, a lot? Yeah, maybe it's only one game, or whatever. But like, did did you not think you're you're going to get punished for that? Like, you're in the middle of the field Man, doing he'd that. Been, he'd been flashing a little bit too, you know. Yeah, you know, Tristan Hill's actually playing some decent football. Um, you know, Saad, you've covered uh, obviously you cover the stars. But you've covered every team in the Metroplex. How much have you seen over the over the last couple of years of COVID being a distraction when it comes to players being players and ready to go do their jobs? Anything at all? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's interesting. It's different for every. I, I think it's different for every sport. Like you see it with the with a team like the Stars or the Mavericks, or I would say even the Rangers. All these teams that play a game every other day and every day. It, it takes so much more of a toll on on those kind of teams. Um, I think the Cowboys are actually in an advantageous position. Obviously, you know I covered the Cowboys closely even last year during the COVID season, and you just see that, like you know, when when you when you have to play once a week, everything is so geared towards that one game a week that when when a when a news thing happens, like Amari Cooper's out, like you don't have to keep thinking about that every couple of days and rehashing that. Like, you know he's out for a couple of games, you deal with that, and then you move on, and you look forward to getting him back. And I think that's the case, too, with uh, with the NFL. Like, you're able to sit down and game plan a lot more. Um, obviously, it's different with players versus coaches. I do, like, it is kind of ironic that Mike McCarthy got it this week, given, like, the Saints had the biggest coaching outbreak of COVID, like, two months ago or something. 
Um, so there's that, but like, but yeah, I think like it's a lot easier uh, to I think cope with in the NFL than it is in in, in a lot of those other sports. Since Saad mentioned uh, Amari Cooper, though, uh, it should be noted that he was in the building today, but he did not practice, and that's interesting because if he doesn't practice tomorrow, I don't think he's playing on Thursday because. So he's coming back off of missing the last two games because of COVID, but it sounds like his conditioning isn't where you'd want it to be because he obviously hasn't been doing much because he's had COVID. So if he's not out there practicing tomorrow, I don't think he's going to play. So that would be three games that he would end up missing because of COVID. So uh, I just thought of that because when Saad said not the day-to-day, this is one instance where because they've played so many games recently with Amari, it has seemed like a every other day. Like, what's Amari doing? Is Amari going to be able? Play? Is Amari going to be cleared? Is Amari this? Like, he still technically has not been removed from the COVID protocol. We believe that that will happen tomorrow, and he has a chance to practice tomorrow. But if he doesn't practice, he might not be playing on Thursday. John, what are the rules when it comes to when you can take a test and still play in a game if you test positive during the week? Well, if you test positive during the week, I don't think there's any chance you have there's com- You're completely yeah, out. I mean, so you can't you can't test, uh, you know, on a Monday, test positive, and on Tuesday, test negative and play on Sunday. What you know? What what kind of stuff does? Sure, and that sounds great on paper, but show me show me the people that that's happened to. You know, I mean, yeah. really, like where where is that? I happen? didn't know what the rule said. Like how many? Like they say, okay, if you test negative by blank you can still yeah coach yeah two negative tests in 48 hours or whatever like that i think they got to be 24 hours apart but like good luck good luck show me show me somebody that's that's done that i mean great yeah it sounds good on paper but i just i haven't seen it happen so yeah that's what the cowboys were hoping for with zach martin remember like at the beginning of the season like they kept holding out holding out holding out and then um it it just never happened because here's the issue here this isn't like a suspension where it's like yeah, but while you were suspended, you were working out and you were staying in the shape. No, when you have COVID, you're sick. Yeah. You're not doing yeah. anything. And so even professional athletes, you don't go from being sick, not doing anything, to being like, I'm not sick today. I'm ready to play in a game tomorrow. Like, you have to condition and get back up to that speed. I mean, uh, who was it? I want to say it was Michael Gallup. Like, that entire time he was out with the calf injury, he was conditioning and doing everything like that on the side, working his way back from that. And even the first couple of weeks, he got uh, allowed to go back to practice even that getting caught back up where you are conditioning wise to what it is to play in an NFL game during a regular season, middle of the season, that's not easy to do. So if you're sick and you have COVID, you're not going to be running the stairs. You're not going to be, well, yeah, I'll be in the weight room. Like you're not doing anything. You're, you're laying around, you're sick. So there isn't the just, oh, my window's up. I can go back out there and play. No, no, that's really not how it works. You're sick. Well, that was kind of my next question. Is that part of the reason why or could we predict or ass- not assume, but could we, uh, using all our little clues here, our blues clues here, could we guess that Amari Cooper was not practicing yesterday because he's not ready to go condition-wise? Yeah, no, his condition absolutely the isn't there yet. Yeah, no, no, no. He needs to get back up to being in the right, not just... He got it a bad I guess, time. I guess you can sit there. I guess you can just sit there and say like conditioning in terms of running for, you know, 50 plays. But I'm, I mean, also the fact of like you not doing anything to just get your conditioning back up on just a sweating and, and doing everything that you would do in a normal practice, much less getting into a game. I mean, if, if he is clear to play on Thursday, I certainly don't see him having his normal workload on top of it. But I, I just think it's seriously in question as we record this podcast. Now, one positive is that CD lamb is back and he, he said today that he's going to play on Thursday. He's back from his concussion. Um, so he's feeling better. Uh, 
he, he's been cleared from that. So he's been a full going price. So that's one positive. You'll have him back, but I just, I wouldn't, I'm not guaranteeing Amari Cooper right now. Ty Nasecki, I'm, I would assume will be your backup swing tackle on both sides with Terrence still with COVID, correct? Yeah, yeah, that would be the plan, and, and Ty Nasecki hasn't played much at all because Terrence Steele has stepped up, and then obviously they got Lyle Collins back recently in, in Tyron. So, yeah, that would be it. Ty Nasecki would be the next guy up there. So I'm thinking the starting lineup will be Tyron at left tackle. They'll go with Connor McGovern again at left guard, Biotish, Zach Martin, and then Lyle Collins. And who knows, maybe they look great on Thursday night, and that ends up being their offensive line going forward. You know, Maybe they're done with the musical chairs, and, and this is what they go with. I certainly don't expect you – being down an offensive line coach, down an assistant offensive line coach that the musical chairs will be going on at a game on the road in arguably the loudest building in the NFL. So I would think that whatever they start with, that the plan is going to be to go through that. Um, tight ends coach Lunda Wells, who has a, a background as an assistant offensive line coach, uh, which he had done uh, with the Giants. He's the one coaching the offensive line this week. So uh, like again, the communication is going to be so big at the Superdome because that place is—I mean, it's rocking for a regular, you know, Sunday noon game, much less Thursday night football. So, uh, communication is going to be important there, and, and just continuity on the offensive line. And as we've seen this year, there just hasn't been a lot of continuity on this offensive line. It's also real easy, like right off these teams, like the Falcons or or the you know Forty Niners. Then you like you look at the wild card chase in the NFC. You have your division leaders. You obviously have you know, two teams in the West with the Rams and the Cardinals. And then you got those like five and seven type teams, you know, those teams with bad records and the Saints are going to be desperate team too. I mean, that's another thing that comes into play here at home. They're going to be pulling out all the stops. They're not good. You know, they're not a very good football team, but they're desperate and still very much in the wild card hunt. I mean, when you look at when the season ends, if the season ended today, the Falcons would be in the playoffs. Yes. The Falcons who you beat 43 to three. So it kind of like makes you go, okay, man, they're kind of still in it. And it's just, it's very, it, it it's it's partially bad luck, right? With Amari getting COVID, you know, right before three games in twelve days. But man, it's just not where you want to be. And granted, like you can you can wait, you can look at it the same way of hey, let's get hot and go on a run. But it's not where you want to be when you look at Green Bay, to a lesser extent Tampa Bay and Arizona, who's chilling off a bye and about to get Kyler back, and Green Bay heading into a bye, who are planning to bring guys back. You know, like Jair Alexander and things like that. And you got like the Cowboys and the Rams who are just searching for whatever's gone wrong. For the Rams, Robert Woods getting hurt and Stafford not really playing well and he's banged up. The Cowboys, it's everything. And you throw in the COVID stuff and COVID, as you said, it's very important. It's a health issue and we hope that everyone is okay first. Like we hope everyone's all right. It's a little bit of a distraction, too. I mean, it, to me, it feels like it's a lot going on. When you're moving and shaking guys, like position coaches and things like that, I'm sorry. There's not enough hours in the day to have all of your focus on the Saints. And that, to me, creates some big questions about what to expect Thursday night. Well, let me just say this. I'm not really the big – I don't really believe – and this is just – this isn't going to be me as the writer talking. This is me as a sports fan talking. Uh-huh. I don't know how many teams I've seen just – Oh yeah, I'm, and I'm talking all sports, man. It's just easy. They didn't. I mean, did you watch them that year? They just ran through everybody and just won it all. Yes. I mean, it was just easy. I mean, literally, the only thing I can even think of that comes close to that is there have been a few seasons with Alabama football. But outside of that, I don't care who you're talking about. NBA champions. It, there's always some. 
NFL, whatever, there's always going to be some type of adversity that they had to overcome. Obviously, the most recent, if you're talking about the NFL, was just the way people were talking last year at this time about the Bucks. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, this is cute that Tom came back, but you can tell, like, you know, he doesn't have it, whatever. Like, this isn't really, you know, he's not going to whatever. And even there were times in the playoffs where you're like, yeah, you know, yeah, they made the playoffs, but they're not going to. And they just kept rolling. And they had to overcome some things. I mean, that's just the way it is, you know? So, it, this could end up being a good thing for them that they've had to overcome all this adversity and they get right at the right time as they go into the playoffs and everything's clicking for them and they don't take anything for granted because they know how rough the road was to get to where they were. There isn't going to be any sleeping on anybody because they had the Denver game. They're not going to be taking anything for granted with COVID protocols and things like that because they've been hit so hard by it. Uh, you know, if they can get healthy at the right time, maybe they, they have the best defense that they've had here in a decade that all just happens to come together at the right time. I mean, there's there's things that that have happened to this team that make you think, yeah, this also could galvanize them. You know, like this could be the thing that that propels them. It was never going to be easy anyway. I mean, I, I don't care who you are. I don't know what kind of fairy tale life you were living in if you thought that this team was going to roll into the one seed. And it was like, even if you had the one seed, so you're going to have the buy the first round. Who do you think you were playing the next two rounds? Who do you think you were playing in the Super Bowl? Like every road is going to be tough. And really, to be honest with you, you look at the rest of this Cowboys schedule. It's not that tough. Like. The Saints, yeah, the Saints that we saw week one looked daunting. But ever since Jameis has gone down, they haven't looked anything like even a good team. Not even an average team. Well, they haven't even won since Jameis has went down. Yeah. Then you look at the rest of the schedule, it's like, other than Arizona, every one of these teams on there, on, on the schedule, you should beat. There's just, there's really not an excuse for it. You're better than all of these NFC East teams at their place or at yours. Uh, and then who else is left that I'm missing? Arizona, the NFC East teams, and then I think there's one other non-conference game that's left that, that's you know uh, skipping my mind right now. But anyway, like everything's still there in front of you, you know. So maybe all of this that they're going through right now ends up being the thing you look back on and being like, yeah, man, it was rough then, but maybe that's what helped propel this team. Yeah, and also with uh, when you talk about the the NFC East, I know that we were getting into that territory of like, oh, the Eagles don't play anyone on the schedule anymore. Well, they just lost to the Giants, and Jalen Hurts has a sore ankle. So I think you know they're they're in a little turmoil of themselves. I, I don't know that that you're really eyeing the number one seed in a buy at this point, anyways. So it's really just kind of you know get through this and get through this adversity, and uh, you know position yourself as well as possible as you can in terms of seeding. But just take care of your division, and then look to win a uh, win a few and win a few playoff games uh, and and get to the conference title game. Well, yeah, and Saints are going to take a little bit of a change at quarterback. You're going to get Taysom Hill. I'm trying to think, looking at the Cowboys, I don't really have like a, a very quick memory outside of Week Three against Jalen Hurts. They really haven't played like our what you would call a quote unquote running quarterback. Everything's kind of been pocket guys, kind of static guys. If you think about it, I mean, look, Brady Herbert can also can obviously run a little bit. You had Jalen Hurts in Week Three. Darnold, Daniel Jones, Mac Jones, Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater, Matt Ryan. Ex Mahomes would count as a runner. Uh, and the defense played pretty well against Mahomes. But Mahomes is trying to throw first. It's kind of an odd matchup when you've got a quarterback who is just not known for his arm. And there's not enough weapons on that offense, quite frankly. You, you need a good game from your defense. Uh, and I, I feel like you're kind of going to get that, though. There's, there's not, It's very hard for me to foresee a Saints team going and putting 25 or 30 points on you. Yeah, unless you just turn the ball over a bunch. You know, that'd be one yeah. thing. If Ezekiel Elliott fumbled a bunch of times or Dak had two or three interceptions, you know, which is crazy. I was looking at this earlier, like, 
I don't know if you guys saw that game last night, but like Lamar Jackson throws four interceptions and they still win. Like it really took me back to the NFC Championship game. Like Brady throws three interceptions and they still win. Yeah. I don't know how many yeah. Dallas fans are, are listening to this right now, but that doesn't happen here. I looked it up. Two or more interceptions <laughs> from Dak Prescott, two and 10. It just, it's, it's curtains. You know, and that says a lot about the rest of the team you have around you. Like the Ravens, like you can throw four interceptions and still win a game. You got a pretty damn good team around you to have that. When it, the Cowboys, oh my God, two interceptions from Dak. Dak's never even thrown four interceptions a game. Two interceptions from Dak, oh man, good luck winning that game. You know, I just, it's, you watch that last night and you're just kind of like, how come the Cowboys can't win a game? Like we're, why does Dak have to be a superstar in every game for them to win? And even going back to Romo, it felt like that towards, you know, I would say 14 and, and even a little bit before then, you know, like I guess post uh, DeMarcus Ware, I'd say, where it's like, can they win a game without him? You know, and maybe maybe that has to happen for them, you know, and, and I would imagine if they, they, they do reach their goal of getting to a Super Bowl, I don't see every game Dak being awesome. So there's probably going to have to be a game or two in there where the defense rises up. Now, whether that happens or not will, remains to be seen. For me personally, for that to happen, I think you have to have Micah Parsons on the field with Trayvon Diggs, Randy Gregory, and Demarcus Lawrence. So the hope for them is that you see that. But I just, I don't know, like you go into this game and you're just like, why can't the defense shut him down? Why can't they shut down Taysom Hill? You know, why, why? Why, do, why does he have to sit there and run all over the place just because he's a running quarterback? Like, you should be able to shut this guy down. I don't care where, you, where you're playing the team at. You should be able to step up on defense, you know, especially the way Micah Parsons is playing right now. You should be able to get after this guy. Well, they did get, you know, Alvin Kamara back, or at least they're expecting to. At least he's practiced. Um, they're also the right tackle, uh, Ryan Ramchick as well. So, I mean, they got a couple of players back. In fact, they, they played that Thanksgiving Day with Tony Jones at running back. They'll get Mark Ingram, too. That's probably what they're going to do. They're going to run it at you. That's where the def- that's where the two game suspension of Tristan Hill hurts you a little bit. You want to you know a little more beef in there on the inside, and uh, him missing that kind of hurts a little bit. But that's how this game is going to be. I mean, that's that's what the Saints want to do. They're going to want to try to control the clock and run it and run it and run it, and they're not going to try to throw it a ton with with Taysom Hill. And I think get ready for trick plays and all that good crap because it's Sean Payton. Uh, but they're desperate, and I think that's a very important thing too. They looked terrible on Thanksgiving. I mean, if you like told me you were playing without Amari and CD again, I know you're not, but if you told me like you're running out that same offense that you're running against the Raiders, I'd be like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're playing the saints and they're a bad team, but with all the crap that's going on with the Cowboys, it's just hard for me to go. Oh yeah. Well, they're going to get it together. And this goes on everyone. I mean, there's been some things that Kellen's done. I know everyone's, or we've all tried to, uh, we all think highly of Kellen, but there's been some, Things with Kellen that you would like. I mean, for me, I think the first down run rate is a little higher when this team hasn't been able to run the ball. But I also think they give up on the run a little, a little bit too early as well. So and there's a lot. There's a lot the Cowboys need to get work out offensively. Luckily, they do have time to get it figured out. But man, I don't know. There's just something. Uh, there's just something. It doesn't. It just doesn't feel good. And that's 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 the thing for me. It's more than anything is like. Yeah, when are we going to start trending? And I'm not sure that just saying that you won on Thursday night in New Orleans makes me go, oh, yeah, I feel good. We're back. I'm not sure I'm going to feel that way. I think it's going to take. Well, how you multi- win, how you win will factor, factor into that. I think, I think so maybe immediately, but I, I think I need to see two or three weeks of like established, hey, the run games back together. Hey, we got the same five offensive linemen in the same part. Hey, Dak doesn't look like he's missing as many throws as he's missed the last couple games. I think I need to see two or three weeks of like sustained, like really, really good offense. 
Yeah, but I think also right now you do have some caveats, right? Like, I mean, if, if you even if the win looks ugly on Thursday, you're going to come out saying, you know what, Sean Payton went against uh, – by the way, if there's one week that you do have like a coaching mismatch, this is it, right? Like Sean yeah. Payton is an actual like a good head coach. Um, it's not like you're going against a scrub, and so like they do have an actual coaching advantage. You're probably going to be without Amari. Still don't have Randy Gregory without Tristan Hill. Without like you know, so I think I, I think this is almost one of those games where like yeah, you're right, KT. Like it won't inspire a lot of confidence in general if they do kind of you know just eke one out but this is one where you don't apologize for road victories when you're as undermanned as you are as the Cowboys are you just take it and move forward and and you know hope for better days ahead but I think this is just kind of one of those just like win by any means necessary you want here let me throw out something wild here too um what about if they just blow the Saints off the map and the guys are just going nuts on the sidelines. They're all over celebrating with Dan Quinn. Just look at the way that that's going to look if coming out of that game. Because the last time they played, very motivated for Dan Quinn. They blew the Falcons out. And so in his one game as head coach, if they play like their best game of the year, Man. despite all of the stuff that's going on, just think about how that'll look on the outside. Just think about how what it'll be talked about. Because I don't know about you guys, but when I tweet out things like, Cowboys aren't going to have their head coach for this game, and I'm getting 8 out of 10 responses being like, Good. Give Kellen Moore a chance to be the head coach. Good. Give Dan Quinn the chance to be a head coach. Like there is a part of me that's thinking like, what if they look amazing? Because let's remember here too. It's not like you have to harken back 20 years. I'll give you a way better Saints team that, I mean, yeah, it was at AT AT&T Stadium. But that 10-1 and Saints team that came in in 2018 that they shut down and beat 13-10, that team had a healthy Alvin Kamara, had a healthy Michael Thomas, had a healthy Drew Brees. That was putting up points on everybody, and they shut down all of those guys, one thirteen to ten. It wasn't like Dak had some great game. And that was a team that was, you know, yeah, it was Demarcus Lawrence. It was like guys like Leighton Vanderesh and Jalen Smith and Ch- Cheeto and stuff like that. Like this defense is certainly capable of doing that against a Taysom Hill uh Saints offense. So I am interested in the possibility of like, what if Dan Quinn has this group like real riled up and they just come out and they play great? Like, what will what will be being said after that game? Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm, kind of, I'm almost like uncomfortable going there just because of the news and like McCarthy mentioning that like some of his fam- family members have it, uh, COVID as well. Like, b- but I, I do see where you're going, and I I do kind of agree that it would look, oh, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a good look for Mike, I think. Although he's going to be involved virtually, right? Right. No, and it, and it won't impact his job in any way. No, no, I mean, he's not, not at all. going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. As long as as long as they keep winning, Mike McCarthy is going to be their head coach for a long time. I'm not saying anything in changing in terms of anybody that makes the actual decision. Yeah. I'm strictly speaking on the way fans think. And yeah, and they, yeah you, they, oh sorry, they might more. just no, they just might be a little happier with the time management and clock management at the end of the game. But I don't think it's going to be that drastic of a difference either. I mean, Sean McVay is praised almost more than any other coach. It seems like, and yesterday with no timeouts. You know, down two scores, and he's he ran a handoff like in a short yarded situation that cost his team about forty seconds. Like every coach makes a lot oh. of mistakes and all that stuff. Oh, but- Sean McVay, Sean McVay, that's 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 child's play to me. I'll just I don't know. Rewind back up a month or so, and I saw all the clowns out there uh, that were talking about how Bill Belichick was mismanaging Mac Jones and didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, Bill's okay. He's got it under control, guys. Yeah. Well. If anything, though, it does kind of lift the Dan Quinn uh, offseason 
you know, job status. Probably makes that a little better. Maybe he takes the Oklahoma job. You know, I don't know. There's a lot going on out there. Um, <laughs> Maybe he takes the Arizona job after Cliff goes for Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah, what you think about that report, John? I, I had to feel like that might have bought, that probably drove you nuts. Uh, no, I mean, I I just know that you know the game after you're you see the behind the scenes when after you've seen some of the sausage being made, you you see how it's played, you see how agents leverage these things, you know, and that. Uh, how it helps their candidate, you know, uh, and, and this has been a fascinating year for that in college football because of all the dominoes that have been in place because of really they all connect back to the LSU job and how much it's affected yeah. everything. So if you're if you're a coach or I'm sorry, you're an agent representing a coach in the college ranks or in the pros that thinks that your guy needs should one have a pay bump or two thinks that you deserve a new contract because you only have a year or two or whatever remaining. Well, then why not leverage it off of something like this by just going ahead and putting some information into uh, somebody else's hands and, and having them tweet it out there that, hey, you know, what about my guy and stuff like that? And, hey, it gets it gets the ball rolling. So I, I understand. I mean, that's that's the way everyone makes money in this world. But I just I, I I'd be very surprised if 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 Cliff Kingsbury is the next coach at Oklahoma. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. John, I like your um, poll that you put up on. Uh, there's also an article that you wrote as well that everyone can go check out. Seven things the Cowboys must do to make a Super Bowl run this season. But you put a little Twitter poll out there. Granted, almost, we got almost nearly 10,000 votes on that poll. What should be the worst playoff matchup for the Cowboys? Packers, Bucks, Cardinals, Rams. Power rank those four in terms of worst, yeah, so I, worst playoff matchup for the Cowboys. So this is the first time I'm ever admitting this, but I do polls somewhat decently, a decent amount of time on Twitter. And so because of that, um, I always put it in order of the way I, the way I feel. That's how I always, whenever ah. I put up a poll, I always put them in the order that 
how I feel about it, just in case anybody's like, well, why don't, where's your opinion? Well, I'm putting it out there. Really. Every, almost every single time I've ever put out a Twitter poll, that that's usually what I did. So that's what I thought it was. I did it during the Green Bay uh, Rams game because obviously those are two teams that are going to be in the playoffs. Cowboys are likely to see at least one. Uh, and I completely agree with the way the fans voted. Green Bay is absolutely the scariest one. Um, uh, it's funny. <laughs> I know you'll have some thoughts on this, KT, but I kind of laugh at the... Like, I think Devontae Adams is awesome. I'm not taking anything away from him. I think I think LaFleur's doing a great job. I just kind of think it's kind of funny when, when people prop up them or, or Randall Cobb, and it's like, you guys do know why this is happening, don't you? Like, go ahead and just keep connecting the dots back to why this is happening. You do know that guy wearing 12 would make a lot of people look a lot better than they... I mean, when he's in the zone like he is right now, I really don't care who's on the rest of your team. He's going to make guys look good. And the way he's playing right now... With a toe injury, you don't want to see that guy in Lambeau or at AT&T Stadium at all. And and you certainly don't want to see him after they get back. They're, I mean, they're in a similar situation as the Cowboys where they have, as Jerry would say, the cavalry on the way as well. So that I completely agree with fans. And then uh, fourth was easy for me, too, because of the fact of just I've seen a lot of Matthew Stafford, and he just doesn't look 100% Matthew Stafford right now. And with the way that team's structured, you absolutely, to win big with the Rams, you have to have 100% Aaron Donald, 100% Matthew Stafford, 100% Jalen Ramsey. Like, I mean, especially now with Robert Woods going down, like you need ever all those other key pieces have to be clicking. I just don't see that there. Um, and then the Cardinals were, were third because of the fact of that. If Kyler's healthy and had been healthy this entire season and have never missed a game, They'd be fighting for the one seed if they were clicking the way that they were in terms of on my on the on the sure. fan poll. But because he hasn't been that, they bumped there. And then obviously Brady and and um, and the Bucks. I, I mean, defending Super Bowl champs. And the, the scariest thing if 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 you don't like Tom Brady is and you don't want to see Tom Brady anymore. The scariest thing is to see him with a defense in a running game, and he certainly has that. And so, I, I honestly I could hear arguments on on, on the Bucks or Packers. Yeah, for me, I, I lean Bucks there a little bit just because you're talking like any any one game, I would probably still go with the Packers. But when it's playoff time, it's just it, it's just a different Tom Brady. It's just a different it's just a different aura around that guy. So I would still go Bucks one and Packers two. But generally speaking, if you're forget the teams, if you're just looking for philosophically what the most favorable versus least favorable, if you're if your strength is the offense. Like you want a team with a good defense because you're good on good. Like you can go, you you have faith in your guys that your guys are going to go take care of it. But if your your offense is good and your defense isn't isn't the strong point, like Aaron Rodgers, you think Aaron Rodgers is ever scared to engage in a shootout? Like he he will take that all the way down to the wire and and then beat you at it at the end. So um, yeah, I definitely think it's Bucks or Packers. The the body language of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady is terrifying. Yeah. Like they are so locked in. Nothing you do phase you. I it's so cute when you occasionally see a defender try and talk shit to one of those guys. I I, I mean it just it absolutely warms my heart. Like don't do that. I love Jalen Ramsey. D- d- no, don't don't do that. Like those guys have just seen everything you're going to throw at them. They've played in the biggest stages. Uh they've won on the biggest stages. Like just don't even rile those guys up. But yeah, any way that you can avoid either one of those quarterbacks, that is the preferred route. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's very Jordan-esque, Ali-esque, whatever you want to call it. Like, there's, uh, you know, when it comes to how phased you get, those are 
and, and that's very rare air. Like I wouldn't put a lot of guys in that, but it's very it's very much like that. I don't know yet. This is a, this is a, this is a in progress opinion, right? So it's not uh, not there yet. This is not a full opinion. I am excited that the Cowboys. Well, I'm not excited. That's not the word. But I am curious because after the New Orleans game, the final five games at Washington, at New York, Washington at home, Arizona at home, and then at Philadelphia, three of those games could be cold weather games. And I am curious to see if we get a little more evidence about Dak as a cold weather quarterback. There's not enough there yet to go, oh, he struggles or he plays great. There's not enough there. But I am curious to see. I threw this out there on our podcast. Jeez, which one was this? The Chiefs game. I threw it out there after the Chiefs game. And we all agreed that there's just not enough sample size. There's not even games that jump out at you outside of maybe the game where his shoulder was hurt in 2019 against Philadelphia. Like, there's just not enough. That was bad. (laughs) But our good friend Bobby. That that wasn't great. That That wasn't wasn't great. great. The ones that stand out to me are that one and then then, uh, Saad, the one that that I remember uh, we were at in New England. wasn't great either. Yeah. Well, you know, our good friend Bobby Belt texted John and I, and this is, again, a couple weeks ago, or this is a few days ago at least. Bobby! And he did say six of Dak's lowest nine passer rating performances were 50 degrees or colder. Again, I don't know if there's anything there yet, but those are three games where we have a lot of outdoor action. Yeah, I can see itself play it being in a world where Week 18 at Philadelphia doesn't matter and you're you're getting ready, but... I am I am interested to see that. We got to get through this domed game first, of course, but something there, and that to me would make me have a better, a stronger opinion because I I really do think this does. It is very strange. Green Bay is the only one where you wouldn't have a home field advantage. You would truly have oh, more fans in the stands than all of these other teams. You could tell me that Dak was. What did you say the record was in the cold weather? Uh, or what did you? I don't know the record, but Bob, the stat was six of his nine lowest passer rating performances. Okay, six of his nine highest passer rating games could be in the cold. I want no part of going to Lambeau yeah. in in the playoffs. I'm sorry, I, and, and I understand like Packers fans will say, yeah, well, we haven't gotten the job done in the NFC Championship game. That That's fine. That, you, you don't want to be the one trying them. I'm sorry, as long as, as long as 12 is there. I mean, he's a rare breed. I mean, as much as he might annoy you with things he says about vaccines or the way he carries himself off the field – you should enjoy what you're watching with him because that that is that doesn't come around very often. That AJ Dillon thing is very interesting too. A uh, pick that I killed, but you know that's why they drafted him for cold weather. Come up here and tackle this big load. And um, you know Tampa Bay. What you said about Tampa Bay getting a running game, like Fournette, it's hard to bring down. He's a tough runner, and now Tom Brady trusts him. You know, oh, yeah. like well, to pick up protections and like uh, and throw to, to him. Throw to him. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. wait, where did this come from? I mean, just a couple months ago, hey, where I mean, are we going? Going, the- hey, Cowboys, the only way to beat the the, the uh, Bucks, each team's going to throw it 60 times. It's like, man, the Bucks don't necessarily play that way anymore. Yeah. And the way that I'm pretty sure it was the Trayvon Diggs pick against the Bucks was Tom Brady throwing like a, a nice little easy little dump off to Leonard Fournette and b- bounces off his hands. Boom. Trayvon Diggs gets it. Um, but now that he trusts him in the passing game, yeah, that's, that's terrifying. It really is. So either one of those teams is probably not who you want to see, but no, one, no one's backing their way into a Super Bowl anyway. You're going to have yeah. to go through good teams. So that just, it is what it is. Your hope is that you only have to go through one of those good teams and not multiple good teams like that. So there's time to ascend too. There's, there's time to ascend. 
and, and get hot and get getting some type of rhythm. You should, that's the thing. Like even earlier in the year when they were six and one, I do not think during that stretch that I ever think one time when I was watching them that, oh, this is the best ball I've ever seen them play. Yeah. Like, no, they're they were heading in the right direction, and sure, it was entertaining to see Trayvon Diggs get an interception just about every game. But like, even going back to that six and one, like I know that they they're they're one and three in this last four game stretch. To go ahead and tell me the Micah Parsons you've seen in this last four game stretch if you think it's better than that one at the beginning of the season because he seems to still be ascending. And then you add in Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory, which you didn't have for much, a lot of that. Well, you didn't have Lawrence for any of it. Uh, I just I still think their best ball is ahead of them. So when that gets played, you know, obviously they hope it's it's sooner rather than later. But I I I just really do feel that I'm not. And I think anybody that's followed me knows that I have never been a homer about the Cowboys. Like, there's been plenty of times where I was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know. This could be kind of fools. Like, I really do think that this team is built. And I give props to Mike McCarthy for kind of trending it the way that they did. I think a lot of coaches would have brought Neville Gallimore back sooner than they did, you know. And it's not just Mike McCarthy, the training staff, too, to kind of do what they're doing. I know fans get annoyed. Like, I thought you said Randy's coming back this week. I thought you said Lawrence is coming back. Like, no, he's getting it trending in the right direction. And... I don't know. The kind of the proof is there, and just look at McCarthy's record. I put it in that story uh, today that KT was just talking about. His December record is is December and January record is is outstanding. Like, and his November record isn't great. And it's almost in a way when I was looking at it, right, it reminded me of some of the early years, or not really even early years, but there were several seasons with Tom Brady in New England where they didn't play their best ball early in the season, and it just seemed like they continued to trend in the right direction, and so. I just kind of want to see this play out because maybe, maybe that, maybe that, I mean, the Cowboys certainly played better in December last year, as bad as things were than they did in November. If they start trending in the right direction, this is when you want to be doing that. Yeah. And like, and to your point, John, like, you know, as someone who grew up watching Brady religiously and those, his Septembers were always awful. And if, and you know, you were talking about every team hits adversity, like just go back and think about that Monday night game in Kansas city, right? When Tom Brady, when, when Tom Brady, again, that was a September game and, and when you look at that, and to your point about how how Mike McCarthy teams look in November as opposed to December and January, look, November is the perfect time to allow the healing to happen, like gear up and, and really load up on all your talent and then unleash it in December and January. I mean, it's the old cliche, football starts on Thanksgiving. Like that's that's just when that's just when it begins for a lot of these teams that are contenders. Yeah, hold on. I got the stat right here. Mm-hmm. I was just wanted to bring it up because I, w- I want to make sure I got this correct here. Um, okay, so in November games, McCarthy is, let's see, 27, 35, and 1. And in November and December, he is 42 and 21. So it clearly is when he has his teams trending in that direction to play their best ball. Yeah. And with what's ahead of them, if you told me that they, I don't know, they only lost like one or two more games, like I, I kind of expect that. Like I expect them to start playing some of their best ball. And again, that, a lot of that's going to be on the road in the NFC East, but they should be able to beat those teams. I mean, it's just hard for me to sit there as much as I thought the Eagles were trending in the right direction. It's just hard for me to watch that game on Sunday and think that they're trending in the right direction. Sorry. I have two more questions and then we can uh, get on out of here. Number one, uh, Zeke's health. Um, and then two, has there been any other scuttlebutt? I know it's been a kind of a weird week and a long weekend, but any other scuttlebutt on the offensive line rotation and what all of that was about, or is it kind of the same conclusion that we, that we had on Thursday night? 
Yeah, uh, on the offensive line thing, haven't gotten a lot of answers on that, and I don't know that we'll ever fully get it other than the fact of because they didn't have Joe Philbin for that game either, who you would think would be quarterbacking whatever kind of moves that they would be doing. I was still surprised they did that in a game like that, and especially because they did start off well. Um, so that's that will always be a head-scratcher for me there. Um, but no, nothing new there and nothing new this week just because you're not going to have Joe Philbin. You're not going to have even Jeff Blasco, who was the offensive line coach last week. And so I have no idea. It, it, I mean, I know if you're a fan watching it, you got to be scratching your head about the whole, why are you taking Lyle Collins out of the starting lineup? You know? Yeah. And so well, he'll obviously get a chance to be back in there. He's going to be back in that starting lineup. No question about it, especially with Terrence Steele out now. So let's see how Lyle plays in this game. Uh, against New Orleans and see the way things sort out. Because just like I said about trending in the right direction, this is when Mike McCarthy wants that offensive line to be set. I don't I don't think he wants to be playing any more musical chairs now that you're getting in, into December. So I think, that, barring any injuries, I think this ends up being the, the, the line that they go with going forward. Uh, with Ezekiel Elliott, full go in practice today, and then in his conference call yesterday, it certainly didn't sound like a guy that had any plans of sitting out any games. Reducing his workload a little bit, he can understand that. He's a big fan of Tony Pollard. He's fine with Tony getting, you know, some extra carries and things. That was the plan going into the Raiders game. They just really didn't get into it because of the score and things like that. But if you told me that Tony Pollard had, you know, has 20 carries and Zeke only has 10 on Thursday night, I won't be surprised. I just, I, I, I don't see Zeke sitting out right now because he doesn't think there's any, well, not only does he not think, the medical staff has said that there isn't anything structurally wrong so it's just kind of a, a pain management thing. But obviously, like we've talked about on here, you know, he just doesn't look like the same guy. So I think your hope is that you, you, you lessen his workload this week against the Saints and you have that little bit longer than normal break that he can get some rest there. And then you have him because I, I just, again, like, you know, some of those games and those NFC East games in, in Washington and, and New York and Philly, and it's, it's going to be ugly in, in some of those games with the weather and things like that. They're going to need Ezekiel Elliott, especially short yardage, goal line, things like that. So as of right now, he has no plans of sitting out a game. Let them win a couple, kind of get their mojo back, feeling good. I could see them possibly resting him because of you know what's ahead. But uh, a game like this, they need to win this game. They need to get back on track. I, I just I, I don't see any way he would, he would be missing this game. All right, we want to make our weekly predictions, guys. Who wants to go first? Sir. And Kent, would you say that are you the Ringo? Am I the Ringo? Yeah. Uh, well, did I did I keep the show? To, did I keep the 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 beat that I hold down the beat. I don't know uh, what well, you're referencing there. For, with Ringo. Who's the Ringo? I would go if we're if each four of us are the Beatles. Um, obviously, you and John are John and Paul because you're the leaders of the pod. So that leaves K- me K- and Sod as George <laughs> and Ringo. KT, KT is John because he's always, when he's doing these pods, his girl's just sitting there over in the corner, he's just watching the whole thing, just interfering, trying to yeah. break this thing up. <laughs> I'll agree with you. I'll agree with you, uh, KT, in the fact that it is true. Ringo did a lot of stuff that people just didn't know about, or they're like, he just has a blanket uh, reputation as a bad drummer. You Dude, know, it's terrible. He's but awesome. there's a lot of stuff that he just didn't know about. 
you know, there's there's production elements maybe of the show or things we've had to edit around or things that maybe the fans didn't don't know about. So maybe I'm as elusive <laughs> as Ringo. Dude, Ringo is badass and he looks like the guy from the Americans. That's all I want to say. If you watch that series, yeah, he's just so chill for the entire duration of seven hours. I think he says like eight words the entire time. He's just along for the ride. I've only seen the first one and we'll get to part two tonight because we got, uh, you know, Monday night football. A real barn burner, guys. Washington and Seattle. Oh, yes. Russell's back. (laughs) Let let Russ cook. Remember those days? Um, (laughs) I do. And then, uh, you know, the Mavs play too. And just a lot going on. You know, a lot going on. Saad, we'll start with you, though. I need your predictions for Thursday night at New Orleans. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I, I think they're going to win this one 35-21 just because not not only the fact that they've lost uh, three of the last four, but I think also just that the way that they've been playing, uh, I, I think Dak is. I think Dak alone is one of those guys that he's going to turn it around. Um, I think he's going to get back on track. And by the way, while we talk about how much this team struggles against the AFC West for – Whatever weird reason that's been going on, uh, they've been they've looked good against the NFC South. I know they lost to the Bucks, um, but they played really well in that game. They beat the hell out of the Falcons. They beat the Panthers. Um, I I don't know. I think they'll keep that going against the against the Saints as well. I'll jump in here too. I'm gonna go Dallas twenty four, New Orleans thirteen. I don't see a scenario in which the Taysom Hill led offense. Puts a, has a big game on this Cowboys defense. So 24-13, um, still things off a little bit is my prediction, though. I just – I and I know they put up 36 against uh, the Raiders, but that was – you know, that was kind of a weird game, too. Um, I, feel like, I feel like there's something missing, but it's a grinded-out tough win. Have a long week off and then really start the ascension and getting hot for the playoffs. So that's what I'm going with. Uh, Kent, let's go with you now. Yeah. Ringo. <laughs> Richard Starkey. Rich. Richie. Um, I'm going with the Cowboys. I think they'll step up for Dan Quinn. I'm with you. Maybe they take a little bit more of a defensive uh, mindset this game. They hold Taysom Hill. Uh, keep him in the well, John. <laughs> and um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Keep him in the well. Keep him in the well. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, solid. Oh, he's solid. Hey, solid. Stud. Real solid. Stud. Hey, stud. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, that sounds good. <laughs> hey, stud. How's it going? <laughs> uh, I loved him. I loved Rod. He was honestly the one of the best people of all time. He's getting I love that, that Oklahoma guy. job. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, go with Cowboys 28, Saints 17. Okay. And Father John. I'm going to go Cowboys 27, Saints 24. I think it's it's going to be a close game. Uh, oh! Sean Payton, he just, wow. there's something about the Cowboys that gets Sean Payton fired up. I think he's going to have some trickeration in the, up his sleeve there. Uh, I think they find a way. Maybe it's a special team score or something. He's going to keep them in this game. That building's going to be tough for them to communicate in. They've, they've shown that they've had some, some difficulty uh, in Kansas City with some of their communication. I, I think it's going to be... This is going to be a this is going to be a tight ball game. They're not going to win easy in this, but yeah, Cowboys 27-24. All right. All right. Well, Thursday night will be fun. Uh John will be at the Superdome covering that thing for us. We'll have the post-game podcast as we Take it easy do. on Bourbon Street this time, John. Too many stories coming out of that thing last time. <laughs> yeah, well. 
I think I'm going to go see the Mavs play. I think they play Wednesday night there. Uh, awesome. You would catch a game out of town. Well, Zion. Known uh, for that. He, Zion playing? Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, he's not back. But ah. they cleared him to practice recently, but... My guy ain't back yet. That would have been that would have been a real treat to see the old Zion play, but oh well. One of these days. Well, um, make sure that you tune into our post game podcast if you're out there listening. And my goodness, follow everything else that's going on in the world of the athletic. We've got Dallas Stars hockey that Sod's taking care of for you. Bob Sturm and John, of course, um, all with the with the Cowboys. Uh, Tim Cato's got the Mavs coverage. And Levi Weaver's had quite a busy day as the Rangers decided that they have money. Uh, it was very strange. The Rangers spent so much money, and Levi will have everything that you need to know over there on The Athletic as well. For our Ringo, Kent Garrison. For our George Harrison, Saad Youssef. I still kind of think I'm the Paul. I don't, I don't i got to be honest with you. You can be Paul. I mean, it's, wow, cocky. It's not like Paul. I mean, well, no, it's, well, it's, there are many that argue that John's the best one. And that's clearly Watch not. get back. You know, the thing is... I was always in that thought, too. John's always my favorite. Then I watch get back. I'm like, good Lord, Paul McCartney was an absolute <laughs> machine. And they all... Unbelievable. They <laughs> Unbelievable, all brought man. their wives around. I mean, I've only finished <laughs> the first episode. I got a lot of work. Yeah, they did. You're right. No, they did. But Linda's in there and like, you know, I don't know. Either I've way, seen... we don't have to be the Beatles. You got Beatles thoughts, John? I haven't started. Big fan. I haven't started watching this one yet, but I have watched several other documentaries. And one of my favorite things is that I don't know if it was a war protester. There was a protester that went to like John's house, and he like literally invited this dude in and like yeah. started talking to him about like his views on things and stuff like this. And this guy looked like eh, probably not somebody you want to invite in your house. And I I don't know why. <laughs> I just always will remember that because I was like. This guy was wild. Like, why would he? I mean, with how? And this is after, obviously, they were very, very famous. I just, I don't know. That will always stand out to me. But yeah, no. Have you seen the, the one, Beatles, for the, sure. the People versus John Lennon, John, that documentary? I think so, yeah. That's the one where he, it's about him living in New York and um, about how just who influential he was in the States after the Beatles broke up. Mm-hmm. And like anything he said went, he was kind of like a Joe Rogan, you know, oh, his time yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. Where masses of people would do whatever John Lennon said to do. And like the political establishment did not like it. So there's a lot of conspiracy theories around you know, that. You know, That's one to check out. You know, too. what's interesting about that. What was I just watching? Um, God, it was something really good. What was I watching? Oh, you know what it was? It was the, um, I'm, I'm sorry. I just said, um, John Lennon was the Joe Rogan of his time. Yeah. Please do not take that and put it on Twitter as Kent's opinions. <laughs> no, but this, no, I was watching, um, I was, I was watching the rock and roll hall of fame, the most recent class. And, oh, yeah. and, J- and when Jay-Z was up there and I don't know why I never thought about this, but he talked about when Barack Obama called him and was like, you know, this race is going to be close. I need you to help me out. I need you to go this place, this place, and this place for rallies. And like it was in all like these battleground states and, and they ended up, you know, Barack Obama ended up winning those states or whatever like that. But it just was fascinating when he said that because I was just like, man, what kind of pull do you have for the president? Call? He'd be like, I need to win these st- these four states. So I need you to go here, here, here and here because yeah. you have hey, that Jay, kind I, of, Jay, of Jay, I need New York. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> yeah. you have that kind of influence that that someone is is leaning on you like that. I don't know. I thought that was that was pretty wild. Like I could watch those Hall of Fame uh Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductions forever. Every single one, even if I'm not into that musical act. Like I just love like the backstories and everything about all of them. Fascinating stuff. Have you guys been watching Hard Knocks this year, by the way, once we get out of here? I haven't and I and I could see it being good because their front office is like one of the most media friendly front offices and they're also very good at their jobs. So 
Mm-hmm. I was thinking it'd be good, but I haven't got a chance to watch any of it. I've I've watched it. Uh, I mean, there's only been two episodes so far. Um, I mean, I would run through a wall for Frank Reich. I mean, that guy yeah. is awesome. Chris Ballard, too. Awesome, yep, for those sure. Those guys, I mean, I would trust my franchise in the hands of those two guys. Absolutely. Would, um, but, yeah, good stuff. If, if, we'll be if back the after Cowboys, the If the Cowboys would have allowed more Will McClay in their hard knocks, like I think I get the sense that most of the fan base loves Will anyway, but they would like him even more. He's he's got a really good personality too. But I, I just think that not everybody, not all, all teams want it, want you to see all that stuff. Whereas I think the Colts yeah. are kind of open to that. That's why I thought that oh, in season, even though I you know the Colts obviously don't have the fan base that the Cowboys do. I was like this could be pretty good because they are pretty. I mean, whether like there's some of their pre-draft stuff and even during the draft, the, the stuff, the, the videos that they release of them on their phone calls and things like that are, is at tops of the league. You know, it, it's awesome. So uh, but then again, I'm saying that in the and these episodes might be awful. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't watched them. Um, I mean, what's what's all or nothing happened? My hard knocks interest went. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I, unless sure. they're unless they're putting out an all or nothing type product. But the end season thing's new. Same crew. They know they got to keep up. Just different, different standards. Yeah. But how are you going to how are you going to keep up? Because you got to keep up with Succession, and then you got a hundred hours of Beatles documentary to watch, and then yeah. there's Monday Night Football and the Mavs play. And we got a Stars game tomorrow. There's just so much crap. That so is true, time. though. That's a good point, so Kent. Time. That's a good point, Kent. Though about the same crew, because that's what I'd heard with that that uh, the Hard Knocks crew that was following the Cowboys. A lot of those were the same crew members that were there for the All or Nothing. Oh, it's the same production team, pretty much. They just kind of like once Hard Knocks is over, they shift yep. their crew to a follow a team during the season, you know. And it's a different narrator and all that kind of stuff. But and there's some different elements to it. But people compare those shows all the time, and without realizing they're the same exact show with different branding, basically. <laughs> well, yeah, and it makes sense because just with how top secret a lot of these teams are. They they probably don't want new crews coming. They want crews that have been in these before, yeah. and they know yeah. you know will keep their mouth shut and uh, do their you know don't like let anything leak out. The stuff that's off the record is off the record. The stuff that doesn't make you know that gets it's on the cutting room floor. That's where it stays. Like it doesn't that that stuff doesn't get out. And so if they if if they have that trust with you, you know that that word's going to spread, and then you're going to keep you know getting those jobs with other teams for sure. Hard knocks was worth it this year. As disappointing as it was, it was worth it. And I, again, we didn't talk about the last episode. I thought the last episode was actually the best one where they're talking about, um, you know, uh, in the coaching meetings and they're really having to make some decisions and stuff. I thought that kind of had the most insight of all the, uh, of all the episodes, but you know, we got the drone shot, so it was worth it for the Cowboys to be on that, that was like worth the entire, um, disappointment was seeing that awesome drone shot. That was incredible. Hey, before we go, do y'all know what Sean Hockley does for like his real job? He's a lawyer. Good guess. No idea. I'm going to go with something super random. I'm going to go with like Carpenter or something. Let's say he's an accountant. Yeah, Saad will get the point there. Financial advisor. Financial Ah, advisor. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Any other referees that you guys know and are big fans of? Leagues aren't, leagues not paying the refs enough for them to be full time refs? What's up with that? They play Waterboys $50,000, but they won't play refs full time. Kind of weird. That now, is I'm, now I'm pinned into a position to where I've got to, I feel like I feel bad for the refs. I don't like being that way. Uh, okay, <laughs> we talked enough and we farted around and now we got to quit playing with our food and all of that stuff that we always say. Cowboys since Thursday night. We'll talk to you after the game. For Father John, for Side, for Kent, I'm KT. See you next time on About Them Cowboys. Bye.
Y'all stay corona free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>